Hey everyone, my name is Yara and you're listening to the Daydream Rose podcast. Thank you so much for being here. We're well into 2020 now and I'm grateful for you listening. I'm grateful for being able to do this work and really excited for what's to come. So today I'm sending a really cool interview with Luna Dietrich away. Luna is also known as the Pussy Witch on Instagram. You might know them. And we talked about all kinds of beautiful things um, like reclaiming pleasure and why that matters so much. Luna shared what it means to them to be an ecosexual. We talked about changing um, our names and marrying the earth and growing out of being a people pleaser, which is definitely a part of my experience. I love this conversation. I really hope it brings some joy your way. I loved giggling with Luna and I always really like being around their work and receiving the newsletter. They're so funny and they're just like this really groovy Virgo soul. So I hope you will enjoy it. A few updates from me. I had a bit of a difficult week to be honest. Um, last Friday I was just about to publish this episode and then I uh, wanted to take my dogs for work and my older dog, Orlando, was attacked really badly by my neighbor's dog who ran into our home. And he needed surgery and was really quite badly injured and I was worried that he was going to die. And so we're all were traumatized, if I'm honest. Um, the little puppy is okay. He was luckily on my arm. I have two small bites, but they are totally fine now. And Orlando is healing okay as well. We are going to move away from this home because... Um, things unfolded in a way that don't make me feel safe to be here anymore um, which isn't the end of the world I hadn't planned to live here for years and years to come this was kind of my landing place in Scotland and um, I'm okay with leaving it and I've been really lucky in finding a new flat that I can rent from next week so that's happening um, and so that also means that everything is a little bit on hold at the moment and obviously moving houses spontaneously is, is quite a big deal especially while working and looking after an injured dog and a puppy so I really needed to listen back to this episode and reconnect with the giggles and the pleasure and so I hope that this finds you at the right time in your life as well um yeah I think that's all I wanted to share I have updated a few things on my website you'll see that the patreon is restructured a little bit. I'm currently writing a lot more zines. I'm writing my first book, which is called Writing Home. Um, and yeah, just so grateful for your support. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy. Hey, everyone. I want to say again, I'm so excited and honored by the guest that I have today. And I know I say this a lot, but I am just very lucky as a podcast host to bring such beautiful people together. And today I'm speaking to Luna Dietrich, who you might also know as the Pussy Witch. And I'm just, I'm just like giddy excited to share their work with you. I've done um, a workbook. Oh, I forgot the title of the workbook, but well, maybe we'll find out in a minute. Anyway, it's a really great workbook. <laughs> and I also had a session with Luna, which was incredible. And I'm still listening to the recording sometimes while tidying up because I feel that way it's kind of sinking deeper into my consciousness and that feels really good and I also feel like just by following Luna on Instagram I learned a ton and 
I'm just always happy when I see the little um, logo coming up and the stories at the top because the stories always are just sweet and insightful and fierce and powerful and beautiful. And so I'm really excited to have a whole more in-depth conversation today and to share that with you. So Luna, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you for that really sweet introduction. I'm just like beaming from ear to ear over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Um, Maybe we can start by telling everyone where you are in the world right now and what nature is like around you. Um, I am in Asheville, North Carolina, which is in Western North Carolina in the Appalachian Mountains. And um, it's, it's August here and it's kind of my least favorite month, although this month has been a bit more gentle, but it's normally really hot and humid. It's like the fever is about to burst and just everything is kind of uncomfortable. Um, but you know, I've, I've traveled a bit this month and so I've actually learned to enjoy it a little bit more with some breaks. It's like actually not that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. In my imagination, Asheville is this totally magical place in the mountains where all the queer would just live. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty magical. Um, and like with everything, there's just a both and. Mm-hmm. So there's, there are um, so many healers here. Uh, a lot of acupuncturists, a lot of massage therapists, a lot of uh, yoga teachers, um, and a lot of herbalists. There's a few herbal schools. And it is also very segregated. Um, it's very it's very white, and a lot of the, the spaces that I see are very white, but then there are... Um, you know, non-white people and other areas. So it's this like, it's just very, very segregated, like a lot of places. So it's just this how to build these bridges back. And that's on stolen land. Like we're still on stolen land here in the States, Mm -hmm. like in many places of the world. So there's just, I like to just speak to like both sides of everything that yes, there's a lot of magic and it's, it's so beautiful and there's still, you know, generations of, mm-hmm. of trauma and um, confusion and harm. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you for naming that. That's good to hear. Uh, well, it's not good to hear, but good to name, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit more about your work. So if I'm honest, like while I'm super enchanted by it, I don't think I could come up with like a one or two sentence answer And I think it's not for me to describe your work necessarily anyway, but I'm just really curious, what is your thing that you say to people? Um, Lately, it's it's always changing, but lately I've been calling myself a pleasure-centered sex educator. Mm, Yes. And even more recently, I've been calling myself a bridger Mm. because I really see myself as someone who's just in between worlds a lot. And Mm -hmm. that has felt really isolating. Um, And I think stepping into it and naming it might be helpful and be like this, I guess, just as kind of what I've always been. And maybe by incorporating into my healing, into my work, 
and like bringing it out of the, the shadows of just always trying to figure out what community I belong to and where I feel safe. Um, and instead being like, I think I'm a bridge. And um, yeah, so that's a new title. That makes a lot of sense to me. It actually feels very true for myself too. I remember, um, yeah, those very feelings that you described just now of feeling like, hmm, belonging is complex. I don't know if I always feel it, but I always um someone who has enjoyed walking between different worlds and um, devoting a lot of my time to dreaming. And I feel, yeah, uh, your work is really inspiring that too. So thank you. Mm, thank you. <laughs> um, my next question is, it's maybe a bit forward and I want to be super transparent in that I actually have a story in mind that I was hoping that you might tell us, um, which is how did you become so magical? Or like, how did you bring these practices into your life? And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your college experience as well. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I, where to begin? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I was a middle child, raised Catholic um, in a really small town, and that was very, very conservative. And my parents were um, transplants. They both, like, grew up all around the world in, like, the Army and the Navy, and um, they were both really liberal compared to my small conservative town in central Pennsylvania. And so it was just this, again, like I was a bridger, like I was in this small town that I didn't have a lot of shared reality with other people. Um, And my parent, my, my mom specifically was very political and very liberal. And so she inspired a lot of ideas and just a lot of critical thinking. And I just, you know, spend a lot of time up in my head and uh, daydreaming and questioning reality a lot. And I didn't know when I was in high school, I didn't even know that hippies existed. I thought that they, you know, disappeared after Woodstock. Like I was just so ignorant to that type of culture. And I thought the only thing that I knew that I wanted was to move to a city So I would be around more liberal people and more diversity. And I wanted that so badly. Um, And then I found this college named Warren Wilson College. And it was nestled here in the Appalachian Mountains in in Cherokee land. Um, And it was this strange mix of like, wait a second, this is in the country, which I have like, you know, rejected so much of my life because that is like equated with like racists and conservatives and these, these, these people that like upset me so much. And then, but it's, but it's full of liberals, but they're all white. And so it was just this, like, I had this big choice of like, do I go to this college where I'm going to travel the world and see lots of diversity and learn lots of different cultures? Or do I go to this like, hippie college nestled in the mountains that like where there's like farmers and activists and it's I ended up following like my heart and body was just screaming for me to go to Warren Wilson and so I did and so I went from you know being in this really small town where I was 
um, I felt like a lot of an outcast and I did a lot of drugs and alcohol and had sex really young. And my reputation was like super, um, isolating. And so when I got to college, I just had this really intense desire to rewrite my reputation. I really knew like the power of it. I knew how intense it was. And also just like going to this college was a huge awakening for me because I was surrounded by people who thought so similar to me, who either were raised by hippie type parents or who were also the isolated outcasts in their small towns. And so it was just this kind of euphoric experience for me. And so that first week of school, I changed my name. I, um, I wanted to get a tattoo to like show like how powerful this was for me. I decided not to have intercourse with anyone at the time. I didn't think of it that way. I thought of it as sex with anyone who I wasn't like committed to because I really wanted, you know, to quote unquote, preserve my reputation. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with the earth. Like I really deeply fell in love with the earth in this land. And that I had, I hadn't had that connection before because of like the confusion and trauma of my upbringing. And, um, and so with that, I, I felt so passionately and I wanted to get that tattoo and I wanted to, I, I felt like getting a ring tattoo and I was like, oh, I'm going to get a ring. I should get married. Mm-hmm. Who, should, well, who should I get married to? Well, I should get married to the earth. I love the earth. So it was really just this like organic, natural, innocent type of experience. Like I didn't know anyone had married the earth. I didn't know like anything about like indigenous culture or alternative culture. It just felt really natural. And so I brought all of my friends together. I knew what paganism was a little bit. So I like looked it up online and was like, okay, let's have a pagan wedding and one of my friends was a um, an ordained minister, and so she, um, you know, married me to the earth. My my friend made a knife, and so I use I borrowed his knife to like cut my hand. One of my friends had just learned how to fire breathe first week of of college, so he did fire breathing. We had all of the elements present. There were probably like thirty people there, and so I had a different reputation at this school. I was just like. <laughs> chick who came in and marries the earth and it was really powerful and again really innocent and so later I found out like oh this is something that people do or I mean not a lot of people but I'm not the only one and it makes sense and it feels good and I feel very committed to this day Mm -hmm. oh that sounds so beautiful I wish um yeah, I wish that there were pictures of that time still. I would love to see your younger self being so in love with the earth and celebrating that in such a beautiful way. Mm. Um, what did you go to college for when you were there? So I got a degree in biochemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, I originally wanted to go for, I was thinking philosophy, and then I went to psychology, and then I went to... Uh, conservation biology, which then led me to biology. And then I took my first chemistry class and I was absolutely hooked. I just, Mm -hmm. it was like philosophy to me. Like the, I love math and physics and that was a little bit too intense for me to wrap my head around. Mm -hmm. And so chemistry was this like bridge, again, a bridge where I was like, I didn't really care for the organic chemistry, even though I'm an herbalist. I 
that was just too like com- like complex and not sexy enough. I love like the pure like trying to put equations to the universe and how things work. And mm-hmm. that and that really turned me on in like a um yeah, in an erotic way, but in my brain. Mhm. That makes sense. That's so beautiful. Um you touched on this a little bit already, but I'm wondering at this moment um, and I'm, I'm imagining that that's maybe also a fluid concept for you. But right now, what does being ecosexual mean to you? Mm. Right now, being an ecosexual means to me feeling a lot of grief mm. um, with the Amazon rainforest being on fire and just how rapidly climate change is happening and like just yeah the grief I'm really I feel like to um to really tap into the pleasure and the joy it's really important to tune into that intensity of sadness and um yeah again it's the both and and so I just I I definitely feel this like um somewhat confusion when it comes to my ecosexuality because often I have just this urge to like just hide and like be in the mountains and garden and like surround myself with like puppies and babies and um and some of my friends are doing this and doing it really beautifully and um that doesn't feel like there's part of me that wants to do that. And I, and I still want to do that, but it's like this other part of me that's uh, wouldn't feel complete or, or right as a, as a white human on Cherokee land, just like figuring out again, how to build that bridge and being like, what does it mean to be on this land? What would it mean to buy land? What would it mean to live deeply close to the earth? And it's just, again, it's like, um, I feel like part of the way is remembering the like these indigenous practices, but also like centering indigenous people in the movements and not just being like, oh yeah, us white people have it figured out, but like doing more of like the really deeply uncomfortable work. And um, like I just started getting really passionate about transformative justice and um, that has been something that I want to bring to my community and start having these conversations and like how we, how we handle harm and how we handle um, abusers and survivors. And like, I feel like that's kind of like the leading edge. And for a lot of like my white cis friends on like, talking about all these other uncomfortable things at the same time, like racism and colonization. I don't know if I'm making sense. There's like so many things going in my head right now. Um. No, that totally makes sense. And I think it is just, it's just beautiful and good and transparent to speak to the complexity by just sharing a stream of different threats and Mm. different angles. So that totally makes sense to me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm, yeah, these are really big <laughs> questions. I don't know. 
but I feel like, yeah, yeah, I was just feeling like, gosh, we owe everything to plants as I was hearing you speak this. So much healing. I remember I started following you when you were still making things. Um, Oh, wow. That was a long time ago. I know. I know. (laughs) Um, And it was, I think, around the same time you really inspired me to make um, my own herbal loo because shipping, you know, I was, I'm in Europe now and shipping was just a lot. And I was just like, hmm, maybe I just need to make these things myself. And I'm so glad I did. So, yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. That definitely taught me so much. And I think it facilitated those moments of answering or exploring those questions that you just asked. So, whew, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I just got chills. So, I guess something that I find like really hopeful right now and really powerful right now is like deconstructing the idea of pleasure. And so instead of pleasure just being this thing that's like, um, that is like kind of like hedonistic and just like what feels good, it's like what feels right in our body and not from like a rigid set of rules or what has like been like put on us but like what brings us alive what wakes us up what like when we feel it like we can't not look at it and like when we try to do other things that don't bring us alive it becomes harder and harder to do and Audrey Lord talks about this in the uses of the erotic just did an interview with Delicia Saw and who is very informed in, in uh, Audre Lorde's work and very inspired by Audre Lorde's work. And I'm inspired by Delicia. So I really appreciate thinking about like how Audre Lorde, um, you know, brings in this like following what makes us feel alive is how I translate it. And that's, that's the erotic. And so, you know, when I started the, the business and practice of making herbal medicine, um, that's what felt really, really alive. And at the time, that was my leading edge. That was like my push. Like I just even starting a business was a really big deal. Like I was working a nine to five and like it felt really stifling. And then, mm. um, and I like just wanted to like harvest things and be with plants and like make yummy things and just like being bring more pleasure and beauty to the world and that was was really real for me at the time and then that took me on a journey to looking at um like I remember being at this uh music and arts festival called Leaf and they they really uh try to bring in a lot of different performers and address a lot of different cultures and from all around the world and they're was this band called a tribe called red and they're indigenous and they were i was um i was on psychedelics at the time and listening to this music and it was so intense and so powerful and the message i got was just like you are not in right relationship with the plants you are not respecting them the way that they deserve to be respected and it felt true like it felt like so like at, when I first started, it was very alive. And then it kind of went into this business that became just about capitalism. And, and like, I really, I wasn't like, like all of the pieces on like having an herbal business that to like make sure everything is sourced really well mm-hmm. takes a lot of integrity and a lot of work. And I wasn't 
fully committed to doing that type of work. Mm-hmm. Like there just felt something that was more alive. And so that was the time where I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to just be focusing on the sex education piece that I'm doing mm-hmm. um, and give my full transparency to that. So it's not saying that like herbal medicine can't be done well. It was just mm-hmm. that I wasn't doing it well. And I got that message really loud and clear. Mm-hmm. And so that, it's just like this journey of like, keep, it's going to be freaking uncomfortable to actually follow what brings us alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like what's erotic and like every part of our being, but it's like, it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not numb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That makes so much sense to me on, on every level of what you were describing. I think, um, I think these things change and I also, um, yeah, I also just want to name that I feel I, I so honor this integrity that you bring to this world. And I think it's really um, brave to change directions in a really big way and to understand that maybe something that we've been doing doesn't feel very so right anymore, even though it has been something that really was lighting us up and maybe was that kind of bridge in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I totally hear you. I also... I was in the beginning of my business also daydreaming about having some kind of product-based setup, but I was just seeing that it would have been really hard to do that with integrity and I would have needed a lot of startup capital to really do it right. And, you know, so I, I just want to name that. I think it's also about money and um, sometimes I'm wondering like how much integrity can we afford and that breaks my heart mm-hmm. you know so um there's been so many areas in my business that I had to like let die down in some way because in the beginning they were about survival they were the best thing I knew how to do mm-hmm. and um they made sense to me from what I knew and understood at the time but then things shifted and I love being transparent about that because I know so many listeners Uh, also at the beginning of building a business or thinking about building one. And I feel we're not often enough hearing these stories of things shifting and changing and Mm -hmm. the courage it took. And we're also not naming enough um, how, how starting a business is really not just about being brave and unlearning limiting beliefs in a very new agey kind of way, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So, -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I uh that thank you for sharing that. It it reminds me of uh Adrian Marie Brown's book Emergent Strategies. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate how she talks about business and just like the fractals of like where you are in your inner world like expands to like on a business level or on a company level or all these things. And so um yeah, I've I've been noticing like this past year I felt all this urgency to like keep growing my business and growing my business and growing my business. And it's just like, and it hasn't been like happening the way I've wanted it to. And then just like in the past few months, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like this, it's so much of the inner work. Like I don't want to grow something that's sick and, Mm. and not to say that like I'm bad. It's just like, what are the areas in my inner world that I can like heal more and more and more. So like if And when my business expands and grows, it's, you know, growing from a healthy place. And so for, yeah, for people who want to start a business, yes, do what makes you feel alive. Otherwise it's going to be like pulling teeth Mm -hmm. and it's, 
it's great to, to experiment and start small rather than just like doing something really, really big. Because then you, when you experiment in small ways, you can be like, oh, that didn't work. Let's go over here. And like, mm-hmm. and so when you make mistakes, there's small mistakes rather than really big mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. I love that. And I also want to, um, yeah, I, I really feel there's, there's such a tendency in this online business world to say, you know, go all in and like go big or go home and take out loans and put it all in your credit card. And sometimes, you know, there's no shame in loans. I have loans and sometimes that makes sense. And it definitely always implies risk in some way to start a business. But you're totally right. Starting small and organic is beautiful. And sometimes that means keeping some other kind of job or arrangement and that's okay because it's so cool to be slow. I think slowness is sexy and mm-hmm. it, it means we can grow in these really like yummy intentional ways and, and make mistakes that don't ruin us. And that's really cool. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we can grow deep roots rather than this like empty scaffolding of just mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to go, 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 go. But there's like no depth or substance because mm-hmm. like, fueled off caffeine <laughs> yes totally <laughs> speaking about caffeine um I'm wondering <laughs> what kind of pleasure practices you have at the moment <laughs> 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 if you want to share any of those <laughs> oh well I feel called in because I'm totally drinking coffee <laughs> <laughs> it has chocolate in it and oat milk <laughs> and some coconut oil that sounds wow. delicious <laughs> I will tell a funny side story. I'm really short, like really short. I don't think in whatever you guys over there used to measure. <laughs> so I, you, you know, I could, <laughs> um, you know, so I'm less than a meter in 60, which probably doesn't mean anything to you. But let, let me just say I'm very short. And when I was growing up, my mom told me that if I started drinking coffee, I wouldn't grow anymore. So I never, ever in my life drank coffee. I had like two oh, wow. in my whole life of coffee. But honestly, I do a lot of other shit. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not really trying to say I'm, I'm such a saint, but just wanted to tell that funny side note. But tell us more about your coffee joy and pleasure and what that looks like. Mm. Pleasure for me right now is figuring out how to play. Mm-hmm. Again, I just interviewed Delicia and that and talking to her was so helpful because she was like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here. I uh, try to convince myself that like making a good meal and uh, like going to the store and making a good meal is like pleasure and relaxation. <laughs> and she was like, no, that is adulting. That's not playing. <laughs> and well, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I feel so called in because I definitely can convince myself that like doing laundry, like folding laundry and listening to a podcast about, you know, some social justice thing or like comprehensive sex ed is totally pleasurable, which yes, it is. It does feel good, but it's not like what's actually like stimulating my vagus nerve and like mm-hmm. bringing me into like deep relaxation and joy. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I just want to like 
call in whoever also like finds these ways to convince himself of like, oh yeah, like I have lots of fun in my life. And um, not to say that that can't be fun. Again, like I really enjoy it, but I am like actively pursuing things that help me get out of my head a bit and help me or help me laugh really hard. So like, for example, the other night, um, my partner and I smoked weed and just like, and like drew a face on my chin and like videoed me like (laughs) pretending that I was an alien. And (laughs) that was really joyful and really pleasurable. And just uh, like laying in the forest and looking up at a canopy and like naming the trees that we know. Um, Pole dancing has been something that's been really, really pleasurable for me for many reasons. It's like bringing strength to my body. I ha- I, it's like mentally challenging at the same time, physically really, really challenging. So it's this like full bodied integration. And I, I, I personally, as a white this femme, like feel safe because it's like a, a women's only space for the most part. And um, like surrounded by uh, sex workers. So it's like, it's definitely a space that I feel like I can just totally be sexy in and shake my ass and like wear whatever I want and like see all these like babes with their butts out, like feeling, finding their own confidence in their body. So that's been um, really healing for me. Um yeah, again, I'm tempted to be like cleaning has been really pleasurable, but <laughs> but you are a Virgo, right? So I feel like <laughs> I love relating to Virgos. It feels so soothing to me because I really struggle with sensory overload, and I think being around Virgos, you know what's happening. You know that feels really nice. There's not, I I think there's hardly ever total chaos. And I feel Virgos have this really beautiful, magical power of making ordinary things magical and pleasurable. So I feel like it's not totally black and white. And I feel, yeah, like cleaning can be cool sometimes. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it definitely, it definitely can be. Yeah, there's like, I thank you for saying that. <laughs> I have been getting these urges to make art and then like I just keep seeing my home as my art piece and it's not done yet like I I just had this like like so much mold in my house Mm. I've literally vinegared every corner of it almost Mm. and uh like all the windowsills and everything and it's felt so good and so it does it feels like this art and so I'm also rearranging things I had to get rid of a lot of things So it's just this like purging, but also like creating at the same time. And so I keep being like, oh, I want to like start painting again or do these other things. I'm like, but I have this art piece that I'm working on. (laughs) (laughs) So cleaning does feel really pleasurable pleasurable to Mm -hmm. me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, That that feels true. Mm -hmm. And this might also just be me, but I also feel like tidying up or keeping a home fairly tidy 
just make space for pleasure. Like I just, mm-hmm. I just have a hard time really stepping into pleasure when it's very messy. Yeah. I so agree. Mm-hmm. I, and yeah. And what I've studied and seen in clients that, yeah, we have to feel safe to feel pleasurable. Mm-hmm. And like for some of us, like the space it very is very, it's like context dependent on how safe we feel. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the mold has been uh, really scary for me because it's made me, and so like cleaning has helped me feel more safe in my space and just, yeah. And to actually be able to, to drop in and feel, but so then again, instead of, but again, I can trick my mind and being like, I need to do X, Y, and Z forever for me to be able to drop in and, and like be playful and joyful. Mm -hmm. So that's why I just like, am an advocate sometimes for like using magical substances like plants, like marijuana or mm-hmm. like CBD. Um, why it should be decriminalized because that helps me like kind of bypass that, like convincing myself that I need to do X, Y, and Z before I can enjoy. And it just kind yeah. of like, wee. Okay. Time to play. <laughs> yeah, totally. Me too. Yes. Um, Oh, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm so glad I have some questions in front of me because <laughs> this could always go into so many directions and I feel a little bit gone with the fairies, which is really nice. Um, yeah. I'm wondering of why this is sometimes used as an insult. I was like, really, when you look around the world, like how, how would you not want to be gone with the fairies, right? <laughs> Um, I'm wondering how you're making space for more difficult feelings like anger or jealousy. Do you maybe have any practices that you could share or, yeah, or maybe just thoughts? Mm. Well, I have a really, really, really fucking awesome partner. Um who is so good at holding space for me. So, and like really inviting and encouraging my, my feelings and my anger. Um, and just even having that partnership has been so healing and almost disorienting because I'm realizing that like, for almost 28 years now, my birthday is next month, that I have, you know, have not had that. I haven't had that level of safety. And so it's bringing up with that, like kind of like we were talking about having a, a clear home to feel pleasurable. I feel like I have that with in my partnership. So I just, with that safety, I feel like a lot of past trauma is coming up and I've been like confused as to why, like why when I start dating someone that I trust so deeply, like life has gone so hard. Mm-hmm. And I've realized that it is like, it's given me space to like dig up a lot of grief and look at my like past codependent relationships and how I've been harmed, how I've caused harm, how I've really just like deeply felt unsafe in a lot of ways. When we feel unsafe, we tend to cause more harm and, you know, and allow harm or, you know, whatever it is. And so I'm being able to look at that and it's uncomfortable and pretty excruciating. 
And then at the same time, I'm like seeing it in other people. So again, there's this other way of like it feeling isolating because I'm just like, whoa, I see these power dynamics at play on a whole nother level everywhere around me. And it's so sad. And so it's just like this waking up that's really painful. But also I like, again, I feel more alive. And so, yeah, I just wish that for everyone. It doesn't need to be a romantic partnership, but just, you know, having a therapist or a friend that can just like bring it. And a practice that I've done for the past few years is something called reevaluative counseling. And like, it's a whole, you know, it's a whole system within itself that's beautiful. And of course, imperfect It's the both and. But within this practice, it's a time-based sharing. So we're co-counselors. We're not, there's not like a hierarchy of like one person being therapist and one person being client. We take turns with time and we set timers of like who is sharing what. And we like just fully give our full presence to each person. And so just even knowing that, I love sharing that with my students. Is that like you have a friend, just ask them like, don't give me advice, like, don't share how this relates to your story. Like, please just listen to me and like with, with your full body and like nod respectfully and like maybe like hold my hands or like, you know, just asking for like what you need while you're having feelings that can be super helpful and like set a timer for 15 minutes to just vent and then do the same for, and then like, what we do is up and outs. And so like you're venting, you're venting, you're venting. The timer goes off and you're like, okay, like this is the end of the container. I still kind of feel shitty. And so then we ask like completely ridiculous questions. Like what is the opposite of a rainbow at the end of a unicorn's tail? And then just like you think of the, you say, you just like come up with a answer and the answer can't be wrong. And then like, we'll do like, three different of those little strategies to help them like kind of distract them from their distress and, um, and then give a turn to the other person. And again, like that's very crude, a way of saying it, but I just like to offer that because like not everyone has therapy accessible to them, unfortunately in our modern world. And I think that's like kind of just like a little cheat of like, okay, finding someone who feels safe to me and at least do that. Mm-hmm. Because that I think is a really, because I, I do feel like to feel these really intense, like uh, grief, anger, jealousy, like it, we need to create space for that. And I don't feel like we should feel those things alone. Like mm-hmm. those are definitely things that like we want to be so isolated, but really like we all feel them. We all experience them. And they're, it's really good to get sometimes reality checks on those things. Like, um, of just like, you're actually not alone and it's okay to feel this way. And I love you through it. I -hmm. think it's really important for us to like have someone with us to be able to tell that we're still good and that we're still loved and we still belong Mm -hmm. while we go through the trenches. Mm -hmm. Yes. Luna, you're such a beautiful communicator. And I, um, I heard you talk about nonviolent communication a couple of times and Interestingly, it also came up in another interview that I did this week. Um, So I'm wondering if maybe you can share any resources around communication that you find accessible and exciting, because I 
I've been interested in and we see for a while, but I just haven't found a way in, if I'm honest, like something that I could really relate to. And I wonder if you know of anything that the listeners might also enjoy. Mm. Well, I do have a course called Pillow Talk um, mm. that I'm going to be offering again this fall. It's not available right now because I've been updating it. Um, and it's just available to the people who just signed up for my bigger course, Pleasure Witch Academy, which is still open for enrollment until the end of September, 2019. Mm-hmm. So, um, so with that, I, it's, I because I feel like I honestly haven't found one mode of communication where it's like this system, do this system because, um, and so I give, I have a lot of thoughts on this and I think that there are a lot of things that we get to practice around communication and there are a lot of aspects that we need to address like vulnerability and feeling our feelings and, having practices that center ourselves so we can actually feel grounded in what we want and need, but also naming things like power dynamics and gaslighting and like, you know, uh, and like, there's just, there's so much to communication. Um, I think what, what NVC nonviolent communication does really well. I think it's really great for like helping people tune into what they're feeling and they're needing. And so what I always send people to is like, there's a feelings inventory. Uh, if you just Google nonviolent communication feelings inventory, and then mm-hmm. Google nonviolent communication needs inventory. And I invite people to like print those out, put them somewhere you can see them and just like do daily checks of like, Oh, what is it that I'm feeling? And why am I feeling so sad right now? Oh, oh, it's because I have a need to be seen or I have a need for belonging or I have a need for self-expression. And so having those things in, in front of you. And then I also, a practice that I do is like journaling stream of consciousness, kind of like the artist's way style every morning. And that helps me kind of like get centered in where I'm at and what I need. But then I think where nonviolent communication doesn't address things really well is... um like addressing power dynamics and colonization and white supremacy and how all of these things impact um, our communication and our level of safety to even be able to be in touch with what we're feeling and needing. Like, for example, like one reason I think social media is so powerful and like why Me Too was able to happen and continues to happen is that survivors, people who don't feel safe to actually speak up in in public spaces, like pre- in like in-person spaces, we're given a chance to speak up online. Like I, like for example, around certain because I'm such a merger, I'm such a appeaser that when I'm around larger bodied cis men, like I don't feel very centered. I have a hard time being in touch with what I need, and not just cis men. There's other people who just kind of run an aggressive pattern that I have a hard time staying grounded and like actually what I want and need. And so I, I think also really being aware of that um, is, is, is just like noticing like, Oh, who do I actually feel safe around? Who do I feel like I can advocate for myself that I actually am in touch with my body and my feelings and needs. 
And, you know, communication just like it touches on all of the things because it also touches on our trauma. Like, how do we store energy in our bodies? Like, are we enduring something? Are we dissociating? Are we um, appeasing? Are we being aggressive? Are we being really stuck on rules? Because like people who run the rigid pattern get really fixated on um on nonviolent communication and like doing it right and being like, well, you're supposed to say I feel because I need Mm -hmm. and like that can be really controlling and oppressive at the same time. So yeah, there's a lot there. (laughs) um, I wish I had an easy answer that would just be like, read this book and you're just going to be an amazing communicator. (laughs) But you know, like it's, it's, I've been seeing memes of like every conversation I ever have is just being uh, connected back to like colonialism, but it really is like, it's that it is so all related and which is like, the more I talk about it and realize that it's almost like at this point comical to me and just like, I feel more comfortable talking about it too. So I'm not just like, Ooh, we're going to, we need to address the elephant in the room. I'm just like, yeah, that's a part of it. Like, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm excited that this course is coming out again. That's great. <laughs> 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 there you with that long-winded answer. Yeah, no. Oh, God, I love the long-winded ones at the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have one last question, and then we can share what you're offering and where people can find you and all that good stuff. But I um, – well, actually, maybe it's two questions. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but um, is there anything you wish more people knew about self-pleasure? Hmm. It's really, really, really fucking important. Mm-hmm. Like really, really, really important. And I love just um, how you really have an answer for everyone on so many different levels because I, I love that you're always inviting uh, questions into your Instagram stories and um, I just love what you are saying to people, you know? So I wish we could read them all out, but people could, should really go and check out your stories is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you, Yaro. <laughs> um, yeah, and just to add on the like self-pleasure being important, it's just you know, again, it's about getting centered and what actually feels good to you because our culture has like has all these ideas and stories of like what it should be and what it it should look like and what it should feel like and it's really up to you to find out and that might be if like if you're used to putting up with a of discomfort while being sexual then it might be really uncomfortable to actively seek pleasure mm-hmm. like it might be like really scary to be like I don't even know what that feels like and so it, it makes sense that it, it, it might be something that you put off that you're just like, Oh, I just like, and, and also naming the difference between spontaneous and, um, Oh gosh, what's the other responsive desire. And so like spontaneous is like kind of that new relationship energy where you're just like excited for sexuality all the time. And responsive is like when the scenario is like just right. And like, 
everything falls into place and the context is perfect. And then, uh, and like someone kind of like initiates or something initiates and then you feel like you could, um, be turned on. And so just naming that I think is really helpful and knowing that like, Oh, it's, it's okay. If you're not feeling turned on right now, I still encourage you to like put it in your calendar and like put it in for an hour or however long and like create space for yourself. Like even if you don't feel quote unquote turned on, like still create space for you to just really take up space in your body and feel actively seek feeling good. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like doing things like lighting candles that helps build the context Mm -hmm. doing things like making tea for yourself or whatever elixir you like, like that, those are the things that help get you in the mood and then playing the music and then, and, and that self-pleasure doesn't have to be just about touching genitals. You know, it can be, for me, it's dancing from, or like being on the pool or just like massaging my body. And yes, like just to put a shout out for people with, with <laughs> clits, like vibrators are amazing, especially wand vibrators. Like it's, it's like, there's so many ways to experience self-pleasure and also like I think it's just often it's just so centered for so many people around penetrative sex and to just like in like expand that definition to being so many things and like to not tricking ourselves that like folding our laundry is like our pleasure practice. <laughs> no, like, no, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can yeah. be joyful and pleasurable, but like something else for your pleasure practice. Mm-hmm. I highly encourage it. <laughs> yes. And I feel this comes back to self-trust in such a beautiful way. And that <sighs> I feel like sometimes it's good to go really slow and be like, okay, I've scheduled this hour of pleasure for myself, but really maybe all I'm feeling like doing is eating some dark chocolate and Mm -hmm. smelling my rose and geranium balm. And that feels good enough. And I'm going to massage my feet, but I feel like then real self-trust me also means that I trust myself to know what's right in this moment. And Mm -hmm. I also trust my courage to go a little bit further and expand into my pleasure a little bit more. Mm -hmm. That just takes time. It really takes time. And Mm -hmm. I also so resonate with what you said about um, this conditioning and the responsiveness I'm seeing in myself, for example, that I respond so well to anxiety. Like if I'm, in a sexy situation and I feel completely comfortable I'm getting confused because I'm like I don't understand fully what this means I've had um nuances of anxiety almost all my sex life you know and and it's hard to untangle that I and I'm really excited and optimistic that it's going to happen but it's definitely a thing that takes time and attention and caring for so yeah, I know um, you also recommend the book uh, Come As You Are. And as I was hearing you speak, I would just like thought this conversation sadly has to come to an end. But if people want to learn more about the responsiveness, that might be a really good book to check out. Uh, yes, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, the um, Emily Nagoski in the book Come As You Are talks about that. And just also I want to put a plug in for actually 
I know everyone has different uh, styles of learning, but what I've heard a lot of people say is that listening to that book on audiobook is a lot more challenging than mm. it because it's very sciencey. Um, and so it's a, a book that's good to read slowly and really like take it in these small chunks. And when we're listening to an audio, you know how it just like keeps going and keeps going and you're mm-hmm. like, Whoa, I didn't get any of that. Mm-hmm. And so that's a book that I would really recommend getting a hard copy for. Mm-hmm. Whereas like books about like, you know, white supremacy and other topics like that. I love audiobooks for it. Cause then I can like kind of move around the room and like, move my body and like be doing something physical or things like that. I, I love audiobooks for. Yeah, me too. Yeah, totally. Is there anything else that you would like to share? And can you share with us what you're currently offering and where people can find you? Mm, I'd love to share for just like after this conversation for people to be really gentle with themselves and like, you know, not just like, go back into social media world or just like the next thing. But if you have the time and space for it to just journal for 10 minutes, stream of consciousness, like just writing whatever comes up, how this conversation may impacted you and just really like let it sink in and like take that moment of pause. Um, And that I also invite people to join us for pleasure, Witch Academy it's um, for women, femmes, non-binary people, trans people, and it's a three-month-long intensive on, yeah, taking up space, following our pleasure in every sense of the word and and sexual healing. Um, And I'm really, really, really honored and excited to be facilitating this experience and enrollment. It begins the beginning of September, but the enrollment stays open until the end of September for people who find out about it late. So yeah, I'd love to have you join us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where can people find you or find more about this? You can find me most on Instagram. I'm at pussy witch with three S's. Um, or you can go to my website, pussywitch.com, only two S's or the same place to is Luna Dietrich, Luna, and then Dietrich is spelled diet rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it's the same place but pussy which is kind of easier to remember <laughs> yes totally um thank you so much we'll add to this um we'll add all this into the show notes so if people didn't have a chance to uh, write it down that's cool be there and i love your suggestion to take some time to journal and i'm so grateful to have talked to you i really loved everything that you shared and it's just been really beautiful to go deeper i feel Yeah, just I'm really full of gratitude and I'm excited Mm. to share this with everyone. So thank you so much across the ocean. Thank you. Mm, Thank you so much, Yara. I'm so glad this got to happen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.